Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Koslov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko out West. Just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life on this Tuesday. As we record this on Monday, out Tuesday, you get us on Tuesday, 25, 30 minutes. And then every Thursday, we go ISO. It's the going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen, the long form interview with anybody and everybody related to the NBA. Go back and listen to Kenny Anderson, the legend who was on with us last week. Peter Vesey, Ryan Russillo, Doug Gottlieb, Sam Mitchell, Richard Jefferson, and a host of others. Adam, is your is your shirt tucked in for this podcast? If not, we might have some sort of delay of game issue. <laughs> How about that moment? I uh, I, I love CP3's uh, uh, willingness to win. I, I tweeted the other day, Noah, that he'd be terrible to play board games with. He's that guy. But as a... 34-year-old point guard trying to still be relevant in the NBA. I love his competitiveness. Uh, I didn't. How many I, I other did, guys? How many other guys in the history of the game would do something like that? You have to think about that. My friend Jonathan Munns came up with that question. I, the only other person I could possibly think of is Reggie Miller. Is the only one smart enough, coy enough, maybe Jason Kidd. Obnoxious um, enough. Obnoxious enough. There's just something about that 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 this gamesmanship idea, but you also have to be good enough because they're not going to listen to some rook or some second year guy who who doesn't play much. Who says, Oh, look, his shirt's untucked. But when Chris Paul says it, they listen. I thought it was, I thought it was nonsense. I thought I, I hated it. And it didn't even show the, Oh, I'll do anything it takes to win. I, I thought it was nonsense. Nobody, nobody does that nonsense. Enough of these, enough of the unwritten rules, even though that rule is written. I but here's like my it, thing, but it falls Why? right in line with Chris Paul. It, well, all all things true, and I, I'm with you. We do agree on that on that point, but I'm still curious as to like why they made the call. Like you can say, okay, okay, but but walk away from it. The ref does not have to make that call. It happens all the time, and Chris Paul knows that and was waiting for that moment to pull that out. All right, so you mentioned he's not a rook. Well, there are a bunch of young guys on the Cavaliers, and all of a sudden they have issues this early in the season with John Beeline. A guy that, yes, he's 66 and has been a very, very successful college basketball coach. Never won a title, but there are plenty of college basketball coaches that never won a title. They've had great college basketball coaching careers and some that have even had good NBA careers as a head coach. And it's a young team who now thinks that they should be a whole lot better than they are. I'm not, I'm not following it and I'm not buying it either. And I've heard other commentators say, well, this is the NBA. It's different. Well, these guys, I mean, Darius Garland played a handful of games in college. Colin Sexton played one year in college. The guys that they're building around are basically college kids. They're not now all of a sudden grown men just because you have a grown man bank account. And they don't like the way that John Beeline is running things. Well, look, John Beeline is going to be around a lot longer than I think some of these other players on the Cavaliers are going to be around because his contract is already a whole lot longer. I'd suggest, like Tristan Thompson did, and Tristan Thompson responded to the anonymous quotes, I'd say that, and Tristan Thompson said, well, whoever said that should be putting his name to it. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I think, because players rail against anonymous quotes all the time, yet they're always available to be anonymous sources. Yeah, all that is true. And, you know, this all stems, of course, from the athletic article uh, in which this this stuff came out. And it was interesting because the guys since you mentioned Tristan Thompson, but also John Henson, the guys that came out in defense 
of John Beeline or the veterans. So you know right away it's this. There's already a disconnect. The way this this roster was structured by Kobe Altman was you have a bunch of young guys that they need to figure out what their future holds. They're excited about, but there's reason that those guys have some flaws, which I'll get to in a minute. And then you have the veterans. I mean, Tristan Thompson is one of the longest tenured Cavs in history, uh, not just on the current team, but I think it's nine straight seasons for the Cavs. So Tristan Thompson might end up being the longest tenured Cav of all time when it's all said and done. So the young guys, though, you bring up Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. There's also Kevin Porter, who had issues at USC. There was there was problems there. Um, coaching staff had some issues with him. You know, you hear stories about what goes on and whether guys like him or not. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But there were questions about his maturity, and that's why his draft stock uh, took a hit prior to this this year's draft. But so you look at that backcourt, three young guards, terrible defensive ratings across the board. And Beeline already wasn't really a defensive coach. He ran a one three one at Michigan, um, and he's known as a ridiculous offensive mind. And he's also known as a guy that his players respect. Not every player agreed with everything he did. But his guys always respected him, and he's one of the best, one of the best X's and O's guys, not just in college basketball, but but anywhere over the last few years. And you have the experiment to bring him in. And my biggest issue, Noah, is that we're just a chunk of the way into the season here. Um, I don't know, a third of the way in. We're not even a third of the way in. A fourth of the way in. A quarter of the way into the season, and this stuff is happening without him being given a chance. And as you point out, he is going to get some rope here. And the young guys better get with it. And if you're not playing defense yourself, you have zero room to talk. Yeah, exactly. And you're a horse racing guy. And given that it is, we're about a quarter of the way through the season, it's not, we're not at the quarter pole. I'm not even a horse racing guy, but we're not at the quarter pole. The quarter pole is when you're a quarter of the way from being at the end <laughs> of the race. So three quarters of the way through the season, then you can say we're at the quarter pole. We are not at the quarter pole right now. We are a quarter of the way the season i thought you'd appreciate the horse racing reference <laughs> i always whenever these stories come out I, I i try to think of okay so what's the what's the angle here why does somebody want this out and i'm having trouble coming up with the final piece but there are clutch sports relationships here between author in in john shenaria and darius garland so does, does clutch want one of their guys in is there, a, is, is there a CAA thing here with, with Colin Sexton? I'm, 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 always try, I'm trying to think of why would any of these players want this story out now, or were they simply just the players themselves simply not thinking, but I always, being skeptical of things, thinking about what's the agent side. Well, because if it's one guy, it's going to be awfully tough for you to get an article put together from that. If it's one guy making a complaint, you know, if Darius Garland is unhappy, what have you. But if somehow wrangled multiple guys, it feels like a concerted effort then to get someone else in. So it, it, in other words, if you have just Garland going and you don't have any backing, the writers are going to stay away from that. But all of a sudden you've got, even if it's a player and his agent, as you point out, whether it's clutch sports, whether CAA, you know, I, I tend to, I mean, look, the, the reality is those things happen. You know, players pine to get certain coaches in, agencies try to get coaches in. People are always trying to manipulate the game within the game that you and I get get a chance to hear about and see, Noah, 
that takes place behind the scenes. But this one to me has the feeling of younger guys unhappy. Maybe an agency can step in and get another coach that promises, hey, we're going to give you greater opportunities to do things. I just worry that you talk about three college players. When you say Colin Sexton in that backcourt is the guy with the most collegiate experience and he played one season because Kevin Porter missed a lot of games. You had Darius Garland miss practically, as you point out, the whole season. These guys are barely experienced on the college level and now they're calling shots in the NBA, there's no chance Tristan Thompson and and company are going to have that. The interesting part is we haven't really heard from Kevin Love on this, and I I would think that he would say something, and I wonder if he's which side of the fence he's on. Right, as we recorded this on Monday, we haven't, and and he wants out to begin with, so it can't can't hurt for him just to come out and support John Beeline because he wants to get out of there anyway, so maybe that does help him. He's got three years and 90 million left. He might as well just put his support behind the head coach because he wants to be out of there anyway. If you right now, I've been seeing a lot on Instagram the Spotify Wrapped, so the top five things played on Spotify for the year. Do you have who who is in who's in your top five for for artists, not podcasts, just artists? Well, one of them that snuck in that I was shocked at just because of my recent sentimental. Uh, listening purposes, and I do not know how this happened, but all for one, you may remember the uh, R&B group from the 90s. And no, I got to say, I recently went back and looked at at an all for one video, and it came to, uh, I came to the realization, like only two of the guys are doing the work. There were two guys in that group that were doing all the the key singing in that in that group. I know that's an unpopular 90s R&B opinion, which zero people would care about at this point in time. But all for one made my, made my list for the year. I swear is a big one. You might hear that. Uh, that, that that's the only one but, that I would know. I swear. I'm, I'm fairly certain me singing I swear during a slow dance at some point in sixth, or, in sixth grade got me a kiss. I have, yeah, usually I have no your, doubt, your 90s R&B no songs doubt. end with you saying that you made out with some girl like. I didn't say make out. I just, you know. No, no, this would have been on the dance room, maybe like a little kiss, something like oh, that. Oh, all right. Well, your wife's something listening. Like we don't want her getting jealous about what you did in middle school. So But either uh, way, if you're if you're if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify wrapped to show us your top locked on podcast for the year. Just take a screenshot and then tag us at locked on live. We haven't been around a ton, but if you've been listening to us over and over and over and over again, you can tag us also at Naismith Lives and I'm at Noah Koslov, C O S L O V. Do that on Twitter, and then we'll share it and we'll retreat. So if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify rap to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot, tag us at Locked On Live. Coming up, yes, I put together a Barbie dream house. But first, where did the Knicks go from here? Segment two of this program is rejecting the screen. And yes, it is the title of the podcast. But we go a little bit deeper here. We reject the popular notion on the Knicks side of things here that Knicks fans are intelligent basketball fans. That's all I ever hear. Knicks fans are intelligent (laughs) basketball fans. They know the game. If Knicks fans knew the game so well and were this intelligent, why would they think that every single year that this team is going to improve? Yes. Makes, makes, Makes no sense to me. I've never understood it. 
intelligent should be replaced by delusional because it's a delusional fan base. So no David Fisdale. And you, know, you could roll out any number of head coaches who could be next. And I've often said that I do think that Nick's head coach and Marlon's manager are the best jobs in all sports because you know you're going to get paid millions and not have to work for a few years. So why wouldn't you take that job? Why wouldn't you take that job? I heard Kendrick Perkins on the jump the other day after Fizz got fired, and he, or right before Fizzdale got fired, and he said, "No, who, nobody's going to want that job. Who would want that job? Well, one, it's one of 30 NBA head coaching jobs, and two, yes. you know you're going to get paid a lot of money, and eventually you're going to probably get paid a lot of money not to work. So sign me up. I'm, I'll, I'll take that job. There's a third there too, Noah, which is... If you don't have success, no one looks at you and says, "But right, it's not your fault." Oh, that's because of the head coach. Right, not your fault. It's no not, one it's is not blaming Fisdale. No one. Maybe some members of the New York media have said it over the last few months, but really, no one around the league believes that it was David that David Fisdale all of a sudden can't coach because he didn't have success in New York. But we understand, both of us understand, Adam, that this is a not a coaching thing. It's a front office thing. It's Steve Mills, Scott Perry. Once those two go and this is you know i think this is a concern that they've got to be able to make that choice first and then bring it and then let the new general manager bring in the head coach because you can't you can't go through this again like they did with with phil jackson and drafting frank milikina then having a new regime change at the top and then not not being their guy you've got to change what's going on at the top and Mm -hmm. then bring in the and then let those guys bring in the new head coach but as we said with tomorrow's headlines today in the preseason, this Knicks team's never going to win with James Dolan as the owner. No, they, they won't. And you talked about it. There has to be cohesion throughout the, the organization. We need to see president, GM, coach on the same page. They don't have to agree about every decision. And, and the best organizations, they don't. You don't want all yes men. But at the same time, there needs to be an understanding between all of them about the direction of the franchise and what they're looking at moving forward. And certainly, by the way, if you come out as team president and GM and have your impromptu press conference about the state of the team after a game, there should be nothing else other than we've decided to let our head coach go. That's it. Right. That's and it. Then, and then not and then not even have a press conference when you do let your head coach well, go. Yes. And then and then you let your head coach out there to answer questions about so why was Fisdale fired? Well, I don't know. I'm the new head coach. <laughs> not a question for me. Incredible. Incredible. And so to me, Noah, now the question becomes how do you fix the Knicks? Mm-hmm. How do you fix the Knicks? And so if you were to get rid of the president, the GM, and honestly, the owner, I mean, that's where it all starts. But assuming you were to do all that, because it's easy to say, okay, they should start over, clean slate. I was looking at the Knicks and said, how would I do this? Well, first of all, I look at the roster right now. Next year, they still are on the books for some money, actually, when I went back and and looked at at the salary structure. Um, But at the end of this year, Bobby Portis has a team option for $15 Marcus Morris is unrestricted. Morris is having a good season. He's been solid for them, but he's also 15 million. I say you let Morris walk. I say you don't pick up Bobby Portis's team option. And we go for a slow rebuild. You tank this year and you tank next year. So letting those two guys go. Next year, you evaluate Dennis Smith Jr., see where he's at, see where Neil is at. Both of those guys actually reasonable money. So it's not a big deal for you. And you build around Randall. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and, you know, Trier, Knox, I mean, because of their 
inexpensive contracts. You're fine with, of course, having Alonzo Trier as part of the, the foundation. And then from there, I look at it and say, you also can end up with two lottery picks over the next couple of years. So I think, and by the way, um, I would also look at the opportunity then to, um, you know, see which of these guys you might be willing to trade. Maybe Marcus Morris, you don't want to dump because his value is high right now. So maybe before the season ends, you work out a deal where with his expiring contract, you find contracts that expire, not this season, but after 2021. And you just trade for some picks and an expiring deal there. So to me, I think you load up on draft picks, you keep up the slow rebuild. Don't try to win. Obviously, it's not happening this year or next year. But I think after two years with these guys, the biggest thing for me is this New York Knicks fairy tale that somehow you're going to get this dream free agent or free agents and somehow turn the ship around. That is not happening. Right. And they're only going to do that. And it's funny that you say slow rebuild. I mean, this this has been like a 15 year rebuild, <laughs> but they, they haven't but they haven't ever they haven't ever rebuilt. They haven't committed so, to it. They haven't committed. Oh, no, exactly right. Because they've never had a they've never had a plan and followed through on it. Jalen Rose said that Jalen Rose said on Get Up this week, and he posted on Twitter, and he wrote, agree or disagree, and I and I couldn't disagree more. He said, "Well, the Knicks are the Cowboys of the NBA." <laughs> huh? What? What? Yeah, both fan bases pine for the '90s, but at least the Cowboys won titles in the '90s, not the Knicks. And if the Knicks had won as many division titles as the Cowboys have over the past 10, 15 years, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would be members of the New York Knicks right now. So in order to, like you see, you saw what, how Katie and Kyrie went to the Nets. The Nets actually, I'm not going to talk about culture, but the Nets, the Nets actually developed players that stars could see playing with. So Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie yep. Right, so the base was there. The Knicks don't know whether the base is there. You don't, you don't know, even if you have two good players as free agents that come in, if the rest of your team stinks, you're still not going to do anything. Yeah, and no, I think you're spot on with that. I'm curious from somebody that is around Knicks media as well as Knicks fans all the time. What is this thought process in terms of getting the the superstar free agent, which is obviously where the the Cowboys comparison falls on its face? Because I understand what people are saying. They both are marquee franchise names and they both haven't necessarily won titles but to your point like the Cowboys have they there's a reason they're called America's team and it's not because you know I mean the Knicks went have gone what 46 years without without winning a title I I'm I'm curious as to why people continually believe that a free agent is going to come there and save the day and has this been just sort of a Dolan master plan of oh well people will keep coming back if they assume that we're just one guy away. Well, as long, as long as you continue to hear the mecca of basketball, I mean, that, that is the, the greatest slogan in, in the NBA. As long as you continue to hear the mecca of basketball, then Knicks fans will be thinking, well, why wouldn't he want to play here? This is the mecca of basketball. Look how great the atmosphere yes. can be at <laughs> Madison Square Garden. I remember coming home, though, from the rookie photo shoot like five years ago, four or five years ago with Justin Termini, Sirius XM NBA radio. We did, a, we did the rookie photo shoot on the radio up there and we're driving back from the Knicks practice facility. And I, Justin and I looked at each other like, what? These guys have an hour in the car and traffic 
to get to games. This is who who would want to who would want to play for the Knicks? This is outrageous. You get and all these teams want you to be at your practice facility more and more and more. But I thought the lure of living in New York was or playing for the Knicks was living in New York. So now you got to go an hour out to the practice facility, then you got to drive in for games. Forget it. Forget they got to figure out something. I really do think the key, one of the major keys, aside from a general manager and a plan, two big keys, is some sort of practice facility near the garden. Or at least yeah. there's somewhere in New York City. See, those are the logistical items that people don't think about when they start listing off why free agents would go elsewhere. I mean, that's the that's an interesting point that you bring up. That's my point, is that typically we think about whether we think about uh, marketing opportunities because that's what we're sold on. And we also see it. I mean, the other part is branding. You do know that guys want to play for the Lakers. Like, that's a given. But they're also getting a chance to play in L.A. and there are opportunities there. It's really fascinating to me that that you point that out. The practice facility makes it a logistical nightmare in New York, but people don't think about that stuff. So I just think all in all, there is so much that has to be figured out with the Knicks. But as you and I both agree, it always starts at the top. Coming up next, Open Gym. We'll let you know what we're pumped about. I'll do it on the NBA side. Adam will do it on the college side since he's been monitoring draft prospects for years now and he'll let you know what's coming up on the college side also how his toddler son jacked up the tv all next on open gym so before we get to what i'm pumped for so what did what did hudson do to the tv you said you sent me a photo and it looked like looked like he was playing some sort of like virtual reality boxing game and, and the TV and the TV <laughs> lost. But I know that's exactly not what he was doing since he's just a little kid. Well, look, we, my wife's been uncomfortable halfway through the pregnancy. So setting the scene, right? Two teenage daughters. So the one thing that we do like to do for fun, uh, also with having the, the toddler son, who's a complete maniac. Um, we like to, you know, go to the movies once, Maybe if we're lucky, we even get out twice a week. It's crazy, but we'll go like 7.30 at night. It's our time uh, alone. We just tell the girls, hey, you're going to watch Hudson, put him to bed, and we're going to the movies. And a big reason for that, people that have listened to the podcast have heard that my son doesn't like to go to sleep. Uh, um, for some reason, the girls can get him to sleep. It takes them like five minutes. It takes us two hours to get him to sleep. So think about every night my wife is weighing this as she's sitting there uncomfortable uh, dealing with all these children and we're trying to get through the day every night she's faced with the decision. Should I spend the next two hours trying to get my two-year-old son down as he fights me or should I spend it at the movies with my husband? And so every day it's, Hey, what about this movie? What about this movie? And this has been a great year for films. We can get to it another podcast. Anyhow, my daughters are watching Hudson next morning after we'd gone to the movies that night, we go to turn on the TV. TV's not working. For some reason, we can't turn it on. She thinks something's wrong with the remote. Well, it turns out nothing's wrong with the remote. I get a little closer to the TV, see if maybe there's something manually. I can, you know, maybe there's a switch or something's been turned off. Huge crack in the middle of the TV. Look like, actually looked like a bullet hole went through the middle of the TV. What happened there? Oh, I look on the ground. There's a Mickey's toy car next to it. The evidence sitting on the ground. That's when... I sent you the picture of the cracked TV screen, 60-inch TV screen in the middle of our living room, flat screen. 
Uh, now, we've had it a few years, but I wasn't ready to replace it. And then, boom, we needed a new TV. We went out went out that day, went to the Best Buy outlet and uh, took a chance. No refunds at the Best Buy outlet. So the evidence aye, was aye, sitting aye. there. And there's nothing you can do. I mean, it, it happened in the past. It's not like we saw it. I don't know whether, you know, look, it probably happened under my daughter's watch. I'm not, not going to put it on, on them. But, um, you know, he went over, decided to hit the TV, and now... And now we're, uh, what is it, you know, a few hundred, many hundred dollars lighter in the uh, pocket. Aye, aye, aye. Tell me about this. Did you house. show him? So did you show him the, the 529 account and then teach him subtraction? Like, OK, so here's where the new TV is coming from since you broke it. And then start talking about his future that way. Uh, that's interesting that you uh, that you bring that up. He's you know, it's funny now he's not going to be going to college. That's just what we decided, you know, which is which is fine. I mean, it looks like uh, Seems fair. he no, he he doesn't really have. It's funny. He understands just enough. You know what I mean? We're at that age. No, right I, I, I wouldn't say. Well, he doesn't understand not to throw a toy at the TV. He, I, mean, I, don't, he, I don't know what just enough is. <laughs> okay, he, he, he's he knows, understanding he just is, enough not to drive a car through the TV. <laughs> what is just enough? I mean, he understands he understands what's right and wrong just enough. Um, but but he no no he understands it. This is my point. But he crosses that line. Oh, okay, like, got he it. Knows what's right. What's he knows that it was wrong to do that. Now, does he understand that he he was responsible for breaking it? No. But I'll put it this way. He has uh, an Iron Man figure that every night I have to glue back together. Every night he hands it to me with the broken leg. Like, yep, I broke it again oh, and man. laughs about it. That's okay. You'll glue it, Dada. <laughs> yep, I will. I it's will. like you're in a mash unit. <laughs> awesome. All right. So tell me about this dream house. I, yeah, I, I put together the Barbie dream house in 25 minutes. No big deal. No big wow. Deal. 25 no minutes. Did I was you told look at the instructions? Gonna... Sure, of course. I was told it was going to take me hours, which the kitchen i remember doing that kitchen a few years ago and that took me days and when we were on step one and my wife and marissa was helping me with it and step one was what i found out afterwards was the hardest step and that first step was like taking me over an hour and she was like we're calling task rabbit and i said absolutely not i've never called task (laughs) rabbit for anything absolutely not now now this further pushes me to do this by myself and uh so it took me a few days and i did it and after that I felt like Tim the freaking Toolman Taylor and Al Borland, like I could just fix anything. So I put together this this dream house. Now, are you anxious? Wait, wait, I got to ask you this. Were you anxious going into it based upon your previous experience? I know you felt like you could fix anything, um, but you also must have some anxiety about this project is going to take me hours. I know. Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that I was hoping it wasn't going to take me days, but I told Eden beforehand and she's never asked for anything. She's never like asked for any certain present. And so, and this she had asked for for Hanukkah. So we, we got it for her early because there's no place in our apartment to hide this thing. It's gotcha. three feet by four feet. It's a, it's a, we didn't have enough wrapping paper. The thing's just huge. We just brought it up from downstairs. And so, so I told her that it might take days and she said, okay, okay. And then that first day she said, dad, can you tell me what you're doing today? Hour by hour. So I was telling her and then I, she said, well, so then in between, and then she named it, do you think you could work on the, <laughs> on the dream house? And she said it so sweetly. And Marissa had a work function on Friday night. So Edith and I, we did it together and I helped, I was, you know, trying to involve her and, you know, make her feel good about helping out. 
So he put it together and she loves it. Oh, it's awesome. She loves it. I've never seen, I've never seen her so happy. And I, f- I felt, uh, felt really good about myself. So aside from being pumped about that, mm-hmm. I'm pumped about Clippers Raptors on Wednesday. That's Kawhi's return to Toronto. And I'm also pumped to see the preemptive tweets and comments from hosts that say, if any of the Raptors fans boo Kawhi, look, folks, look, no one's going to boo Kawhi. You want a title, okay? So don't use this made-up notion that these fans are going to boo Kawhi to fill 15 15 minutes of your show. There's so talk, talk of about retiring the his jersey, Noah. You know, they're going to put a, they're going to remove the jumbotron and just hang a statue from the roof. <laughs> All right, so I was going to talk about the Sixers, but that's actually what I'm pumped about. Is I cannot wait to hear and then maybe throw my phone through the TV when I hear a host of any sort say, "If the Raptors fans boo Kawhi." All right, what are you pumped about? <laughs> I'm pumped about Gonzaga, Arizona on Saturday. There are a couple awesome matchups here for NBA draft folks. Uh, first, you have Petrosev, the big man from Gonzaga, who is a skilled big man, tough guy, against Zeke Naji, the freshman from Arizona, who has really shocked people. In ter- Everyone knew he was good. He's proven to be excellent. Maybe the best big man, probably the best big man right now. He's playing as well as the best big man in the Pac-12. And then in the backcourt, You've got Ryan Woolridge, who's a solid senior for Gonzaga, but Nico Mannion for Arizona, who has proven not just to be talented, athletic, skilled, all of the above uh, in terms of a point guard and, and quicker than you think, all those things. But really, he's got the clutch gene. He's already had big moments. He stepped up in late games and uh, made some big plays for Arizona late. He's just he's great under the lights. And so I'm excited to see how those two match up. And Mannion, if you see him, he's a little bit smaller than you think. He's a little bit slight. He's got to put on some weight. I would love to see him in school one more year, which won't happen. He's a lottery pick. Outstanding point guard, great vision, all the above. But um, I'm excited to see how he does against against Gonzaga. Yeah, and he's been, under, he's been banged up a little bit. And I know Josh Green was hurt a little bit for Arizona, mm-hmm. and they're coming off that loss against Baylor. Baylor. At Baylor, yep. So now they'll get they've got one more game this week and then and then they've got Gonzaga over the weekend. So make sure you check out everything else going on on the Locked On channels, Locked On NBA five days a week, Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, my squad, big six two win this week. So I'm moving up in the standings. Also Hollinger and Duncan with John Hollinger and Nate Duncan. That duo comes out with eight episodes every Monday. And make sure you're subscribing and downloading this podcast, rate, review, all that. But most significantly, share it. And and we appreciate it. We'll interact on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Just make sure you're sharing the podcast and letting letting people know what you're learning here that you might not be hearing anywhere else. You can get Adam on Twitter at NaysmithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Catch you again on Thursday. We go ISO guest. Hmm, that's a tease. Come back on Thursday. Adam, thanks, pal. You're the best.